Hello everybody, Bill Harper back with you. I'm a man in search of my heart and this podcast is entitled Search Patterns. This is me unpacking what that journey looks like. I left you last podcast with part one of this and I'm coming back in with part two of the search patterns, my journey, searching for my heart. And I got to start out again with my life first, which is Proverbs 4.23, which says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. All the different translations help understand this. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, with all vigilance, For out of it flows the wellspring of life. Out of it are the issues of life. Or everything you do flows from it. It is the source of life. Be watchful, diligent. God's saying, take care of this. It matters to me. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And in my search, my heart, I'm searching to avoid toxins, and I'm searching to provide nutrients to the heart. What does that look like? Well, I'm starting to understand what the romance looks like and what the message of the arrows looks like and how I can let the voice of the accuser get inside my head and my heart. Some really wonderful works of faith came to me when I read the books. And you got to pick up all of these. They're fabulous. Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. The book Waking the Dead by John Eldridge. And the one I'm talking from in this case right now is The Sacred Romance, which was written by Brent Curtis and John Eldridge. It was before Wild at Heart, by the way. And in the early part of that book, it talks about a haunting or a sense of something wonderful is wooing us. He says, you know, this inner story of our hearts can be most audible early in the morning or perhaps in the middle of the night when our inner editor that tells us how we should respond to the world has gone off duty or it's silent. And it's at those times that our heart speaks to us most of the story that is most deeply ours. It's a story where the plot contains mystery and magic as well as foreboding and anxiety When we listen most attentively to the inner story our heart tells us about, most of our spirit is aware that the plot revolves around two very different messages that divide for our attention since we were very young. One has enchanted us and wooed us, but the other one has given us fear and resignation. The first has come to us in a form of a romancing, which often fills us with anticipation. And the other feeling is more darker. It lays siege to us in the very darker hues and brings with it a foreboding that maybe nags at the edges of our consciousness, even on the most sunlit mornings. And yet, life's enchantment of us is perhaps the deeper of the two messages, the one that first engaged our heart. It talks of a great romance, this haunting. And each of us has a geography where the romance first spoke up. I'm plagiarizing a lot of the book, The Sacred Romance, in there. My story of the romance first came like this. Way back before I had found Christ, acknowledged Him consciously, been baptized and all those things, I was a little boy. Outside in the crisp winter, I'd been up the hunting lodge and my grandparents and parents and everybody was inside smoking and drinking. It was hot as a blazes because this fire. And I went out on this crisp winter evening 
that was dark and you could see billions of stars. And it was at that point, I remembered this years later. I looked up at the stars and I had enough, I think a fifth or a seventh grade knowledge of light years and stars are out there and that light's been traveling for so long to see me and the heavens are cast, you know, the heavens are out there and we got a solar system and all that. So I knew in my head how this was created, but I looked up at these stars and was just taken aback, astounded by the beauty and the mystery, simply astounding. So here I am, a little boy, under the stars looking up, and here's what I heard. I'd never heard the gospel yet. Jesus was not spoken of in my home. I really hadn't heard the message of Christ. But I looked up at the stars that night, and it was clear to me that he put them there in all of his majesty of creation. I didn't really know the Son or the Father or the Holy Spirit yet, but just as him, God put them there. And it was also clear to me that he put them there for me. They were a gift for me. And right then I became aware that he also knew me. He had given me this beautiful creation of the stars at night. He had given them specifically to me. It was very personal. And he knew me personally. Now, what did this little boy do? I went, oh, wow, that's nice. And it didn't affect me in a major way right then. But I went back to this years later when I was asking God, so God, when did you get me? Was it the day I declared you and I accepted you at the academy? No answer. Or was it the day that I really hit recovery in 2005 and was on my knees weeping? Because I know a big change after that. Was that it? And I'd asked him this so many times and quietly listened for the answer. And he goes, no, Bill, it was way back then. I had you the whole time. You see, he's pursues us. Remember the message of leaving the 99 to find the one. And he has been pursuing me since the beginning of time. So after those years of asking him, when, how did this go and when did I know you? He takes me all the way back to the young boy under the stars. Hmm. We all have our different stories of how he's ministered to us and each of us is unique. And just as unique as we are, we're going to have a unique stories of healing. So listen for those and be aware of those and pray in the quiet moments and listen for him to take you back about how he has healed you. That's been a big deal with hearing my heart. Now, once again, I'm talking about a haunting and a romancing. The book is, I recommend highly, is called The Sacred Romance. And each of us has a geography where the romance first spoke to us. That's what I just talked about under the stars. But this voice, this haunting comes to us speaking to us. Isn't there more to this life than this? You know, if, if you're just wrapped up in all the religious trappings and the do this and the don't do this and the, and the, the shouldas, couldas, wouldas and all of that. Maybe when we hear this gentle spirit, we ignore it and roll over early in the morning. Or maybe we try to silence it with more renewed commitment or Christian activity. But again and again, I think it speaks to us. There is something missing here. You long to be in a love affair. You long to be in a great adventure. You were made for something more. You know it. 
And this book predates Wild at Heart, which is right all in there within Wild at Heart. So there's place where he's wooing us. He's inviting us in. It's kind of subtle, okay? And then there's another concept in this place of the sacred romance called the message of the arrows. The arrows, okay? When I was a young boy, uh, my mother killed herself from her addiction. Uh, She didn't do it intentionally, but her death was a result of her abuse of her body. And it was as if this arrow just struck me in the heart. And let's go to Psalm 91. I read you from Psalm 91. says, God will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Notice, faithfulness will be your shield. That's the shield of faith out of the armor of God. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. Hmm. You know, the shield of faith is in the armor of God, and we talk about kneeling down behind it when the flaming arrows come. So this topic is called, this element I'm describing from the book, The Sacred Romance, is called The Message of the Arrows. We talk about, oftentimes, my head and my heart are separated. When I say I'm in search of my heart, what I'm also trying to do is close the gap between my head and my heart, where I can be in touch of my heart. And I'm just not living out of my head, right? And they are working in partnership. Eventually, this division of the head and the heart, which I'm trying to minimize, but when it was strong in the early part of my life, the sacred romance explains it like this. When your head and heart divided, you can either do one of two things. You can either deaden your heart or you can divide your life into two parts where the outer story becomes the theater of the should and the inner story becomes the theater of the needs or the inner story, the place where we quench the thirst of our heart with whatever water is available. And Brent writes that he chose the second route where he was living out of what he thought of as his religious life with increasing dryness and cynicism in that religious life. And at the same time, he went searching for water and found it where he could in sexual fantasies and alcohol and the next next dinner out or late night violence movies, whatever, gaining more knowledge through religious seminars. Whatever would slake the thirsty restlessness inside. And so the point here is that whatever path we choose, heart deadness or heart and head separation, the arrows win and we lose heart. See, the message of the arrows are the wounds that we receive in life that makes you feel that you are on your own. Imagine this, an arrow goes shook right in my heart. And I'm a young, tough kid, right? I just reach and grab the shaft and I break it off, right? Although it's lodged still in my heart, I just break it off and toss away the shaft and go on with about my life. That's what we've all done to get over the wounds of our past. You, don't we just suck it up, cry baby, and move on, stuff down the pain? Uh, don't deal with it. 
Don't face it because it hurts too much. Move on, tough guy. Here we go. But meanwhile, these arrows, shunk, right in my right side of my chest. I break off the shaft and move on. And before you know it, I'm going through life with about 15 arrows lodged in my heart. The message is that the arrows bring with us is the toxin. It's so damaging and we still carry them with us until they are dislodged. It's the story of all of our lives in one way or another. You see, the haunting of the romance where you know that there's something bigger, but the message of the arrows that are lodged in our heart, they're so radically different and they seem so mutually exclusive that they split our hearts in two. And so in every way you see that the haunting romance, the wooing of God is so full of beauty and wonder, these arrows are equally powerful in their ugliness and devastation. The romance seems to promise a life of wholeness through a deep connection and with the great heart behind the universe, but the arrows deny it, telling us you are on your own. Oh, that was my wound. Telling us that there is no romance, there is no one strong and kind who is calling you to an exotic adventure. That was my agreement. I had believed that my happiness was all up to me. So I went through the Air Force Academy and I worked real hard and man, I had to get those flight suit and silver wings and now I'm happy, right? But those arrows are still lodged deep in my heart. They surfaced years later with terrible consequences. So the message of the arrows was there. They saying, you're on your own. There's no one romance. There's no one strong and kind who is calling you. But the romance that I've begun to find through this says the world is a good, benevolent place. The romance invites us to trust, but the arrows intimidate us into self-reliance. Mm. You know, the armor of God is such an amazing picture of the toolbox, the collection of weaponry that we need to get through this life healthy. And the shield of faith, remember it was a giant shield. The thing stood about five feet tall, three feet wide. And the Roman soldiers would interlock their shields so that they would form a defensive phalanx and the arrows would not get through them. You kneel down behind it, but you're much more effective with a brother on your right and a brother on your left to go through this, by the way. It's very interesting how we need others to get through this fight. The haunting of the romance and the message of the arrows tell us that there's a separation between our head and our heart and it's not healthy. So my search for the heart is trying to reduce that distance so that I can become wholehearted, so that I can be in touch with my heart and be able to listen to my heart and certainly listen to where God is touching me in the heart. One of the things that I've found recently as an excellent tool to help me is simple daily gratitude checks, that the little things that I notice are really wonderful to note, and you've got to write them down. I think it's, it's very important to write them down because, you know, when you're having a really bad day, you can't remember what you're grateful for. So you go back to that list you wrote down on the sunny day and remember what you are grateful for. But in terms of gratitude checks, I'm not so sure I believe in coincidence. For example, God gives me a little break. I'm running late to an appointment and all of a sudden I get a favorable green light. 
Was that a coincidence? Or was that God smiling upon me? If he knows the hairs on my head, he can certainly work that traffic light to my advantage. I'm going to choose door number two. I'm going to believe that that was God taking care of me in this one little place. And I'm going to choose to be grateful for it. So you see, even if it was coincidence, I don't care. It benefits my heart and my spirit to feel that little God wink or a little God kiss from me. That's how I deal with coincidence. What do you think about that? So once again, this is Bill Harper, and I'm discussing what it looks like to be in search of my heart. I call this search patterns. And you know, I'm not so totally sure what it looks like from day to day. This has been a really deep subject. I've had to turn over a whole bunch of rocks to be looking for the elements of what this journey, and I'm still discovering it. I love what John Eldridge has written. He has been a modern day prophet to me that has spoken such life into my heart, along with the 12 steps, which is really all of it is the gospel. It is the rescuing and restoration of my soul by a power greater than myself. And that one is Jesus. He wrote in one of his books, he says, we're talking about the message of the arrows here and the wounds that we take in life. He says, the story of your life is the story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows who you could be and fears it. An assault on your heart by the one who knows who you could be and fears it. You see what it's saying is there is an accuser who attacks us. And he knows that if he breaks us down and beats us up and wounds us deeply, that we'll never be able to attain that shining, shimmering, beautiful, surrendered, fragrant soul of God that is his intention in this world that will happen in the one after this. But he fears that if we get to that point where we become free of the wounds and our heart becomes whole and nurtured and protected and guarded above all else and we protect it and nourish it, we could be that shining, simmering, wonderful, beautiful, fragrant human being on this planet. And he fears that. So we're talking about searching for our heart. And we're going to pick it up in the third segment of this podcast. And we're going to be looking at the battle for the heart and then how we care for our heart. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Harper, I am a man in search of my heart, and I'm taking you on that journey as we both try to find out what that looks like. Don't forget to listen to this song by Sanctus Real entitled Changed. And I love the lyrics that say, And now that I can see everything you've promised me, you're making a new heart. I'm not who I used to be. I'm going to be changed a little each day. I'm going to be changed by your grace. You won't let me stay the same as yesterday. You're the author, perfecter, my hope and my healer, the reason that I believe. That's the song Changed by Sanctus Real. I'm in search of my heart today and I'm taking you all with me. My name is Bill Harper. I thought it'd be different. was hoping by now I would be closer, have it all figured out. Counting the reasons and feeling the weight of all of my failures and every mistake. And though I cannot see, I know you promised me you 
making a new heart where the old one used to be. I'm gonna be changed.